Inflation remains near a record high and it shows no signs of slowing. The consumer price index for September was up 8.2% compared to one year ago. Month to month, prices increased 0.4%. On Wall Street, stocks sank at the opening bell but made a surprise U-turn with a late-day rally. The Dow gained almost 3%, while the Nasdaq and S&P 500 were both up more than 2%. CBS's Nancy Cordes explains how rising prices are hitting Americans where it hurts. Almost everything in your grocery cart got more expensive again last month. Apples up another 2%, lettuce up nearly 7%. The price of eggs is now more than 30% higher than last year. Americans are squeezed by the cost of living. The new figures reveal that inflation has barely budged, even after the Fed hiked interest rates for a fifth time in a bid to cool the economy. More startling was the spike in the so-called core index, the cost of everything but food and energy. After slowing this summer, it's now zooming back up to its highest rate of increase since 1982. Why is this so important? Because the core rate really reflects a lot of the things that we actually deal with, the big parts of our budget, like housing. Rent, which typically grows about 3% a year, is up 7% this year. Furniture, up 10%. Pet care up 11%. Let's get a wait here. At Shane Veterinary Medical Center in Marina del Rey, they're coping with their own rising costs. Well, the diagnostics have gone up um, x rays, blood work, um, the exam itself. Retirees will get some relief next year an 8.7% increase in Social Security payments, the largest hike in four decades. So the combination of Medicare premiums dropping, the cost of living adjustment being bigger, should help these 52 million seniors who are relying on the system. They're going to need that extra cash because according to a new government estimate, Americans who rely on natural gas to heat their homes, and that's about half the country, they are going to pay up to 30% more to heat their homes this winter than they did last year. Nora. Nancy Cordes, thank you. Florida, once a perennial swing state, it turned blue for Obama twice, then red for Trump twice. Now it appears solid red, thanks in part to a huge effort in voter registration on the Republican side and the powerful Latino vote leaning further and further red. Even the Democratic stronghold of Miami-Dade County turned red for the first time in 20 years. So today, after four years, the people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. But I was a little concerned today, I'm going to be honest, when I saw Hillary Clinton bad-mouthing me. <laughs> and she, lo she looked angry and actually scared and, and uh, just uh, completely unrelated. I want you to know, just in case you're wondering, I'm in perfect health, my brakes on my car are in good shape, and I'm not suicidal. And we're going to win this thing on Tuesday. <laughs> so it's going to become a win generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line that transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America and having wind and solar. And there's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we work together. So vote. Get out the vote now. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
no more drilling. There is no more drilling. I haven't formed any new new drilling. No, I. That was before I was president. We're trying to work on that, get that done. President Biden made a pledge last night during the New York rally to approve, quote, no more drilling for oil. Uh, but does he see that as being in conflict with his efforts to lower gas prices? So, no, we don't see that in conflict. We're going to codify Roe v. Wade in January and make it a run of the land. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing. Welcome back, everyone, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 108 here on Thursday, November 10th, where once again, the Republicans won on Election Day and the Democrats seem to be winning on the day and the day after that. Uh, I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. Yeah, I'm Mike McKenna. <laughs> well, Michael, inflation numbers came out this morning. Uh, it's just not getting any better. Doesn't no, why would it? Doesn't seem to be getting any better. Why would uh, it? It, it, it? We're now in the high sevens, which is welcome relief, uh, according to some of the uh, Democrat type type people. Yeah. Um, but uh, as that clip pointed out, uh, we're still paying a hell of a lot more for pretty much everything. And now food is the big one, right? So gas, natural gas prices. So you're worried about all the wrong things, Tom. Yeah, apparently, apparently the electorate is also not as worried about it. I was going to say, but we'll get into that. Ladies and gentlemen, we will get into that. Uh, of course, you heard uh, a little clip about what happened in Florida, which seems to be uh, the, the salmon swimming upstream for the rest of the, for the rest of the uh, election eve. Uh, Ron DeSantis and his rather short but poignant uh, victory speech. Carrie Lake taking a little shot at Hillary. Oh man, I just, I kind of hope she becomes governor because she's going to be a live one. There's, she's going to provide us with a lot of uh, material for the unregulated yeah. podcast. You know, it doesn't matter if she becomes governor. She's still going to provide us with a lot of content. She's, That's she's, true. She's not going Maybe away. Maybe even more. Maybe even more because she won't have to like work. Um, all right. And so of course, uh, on the day before uh, the election or two days before, not sure which exactly it was, uh, Biden once again opened mic, doesn't realize he's just spewing out his his truth. He's speaking his truth. No more coal, no more oil. We're working it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it. I'm glad we're finally like talking about it like grown people. Like he's got, he, this is what he thinks and this is what everybody else thinks and you know, instead of shadow boxing with the with the bureaucracy and with the with the press secretary, you know, you just you just put it out there. Babe, no more drilling. Go away. Die in a fire, you losers. I'm very glad. The good news is is that again, voters didn't care about that either. All right. Well, any announcements before we get into this week's episode? Yeah, I'm probably going to just take my go ahead and take my medicine right now. Um, you know, I predicted the middle of September that it was going to be about 230 seats and about 52 Senate seats. 
Looks like I'm going to be off by five in the House and one or two in the Senate, depending on what happens in the next um, couple of days and the next six weeks after that. Um, yeah, so sorry. Um, the have a, producer, do you have a crow? Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> column, the column I wrote for the I – wrote, I wrote a column for the Washington Times yesterday that basically listed out winners and losers, and it put me as the last loser. Um, and my friends at Real Clear Politics were kind enough to post that at the top of the page this morning. I was like, thanks. My, you know, well, it's very it's not very often that you're wrong. Uh, that's one way to and, think about and it. Not very often that you apologize for that's it. That's the that's probably the right <laughs> answer. The um I also want to um say thank you to Janet Senna for her kind words. Um so those those are my announcements. I'm sure we're gonna get into more stuff later, but I just want to well, get Well, I out. too am gonna eat a little crow uh because I was sucked into the uh vortex. That was the red wave. In fact, uh, I think I was at 53 at some point. I will, I will point out one thing real quick. I never used that phrase. So for that, I'm very grateful. Minister restrained myself. Uh, I also want to wish a happy birthday to the U.S. Marine Corps. Hoorah. Today is their officially 247th birthday. Semper Fidelis. Fidelis. Everybody cut your cake. It's a big thing. They all have cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The birthday uh, cake okay. for the Marine Corps. So uh, let's do a little This Day in History, and then let's just break it all down, shall we? Sure. Um, this Day in History, 19, November 10th. Okay. 1903. I don't think you're going to get any of these. <laughs> 19. These are, these are pretty obscure. Thank so you. you might get one. Okay. 19, 1903? 1803. You might get one with a hint. 1903. Mary Anderson patents the windshield wiper. Yeah. Come on, man. That didn't. Come on. <laughs> Now, now the reason I pulled this up was because in her advert, in her patent, she wrote, she, she, and this was a quote, window cleaning device for electric cars and other vehicles to remove snow, ice, or sleet from the window. There you go. So for all you people who think we're, we're talking about some fancy new technology, with Tesla, etc. Uh, reminder that electric vehicles had uh, roughly a third of the market share in the early 1900s yeah. and was wiped out by the internal combustion engine. Why? Because it was vastly superior. That's not true, Tom. I, I know and I have a good authority that Woodrow Wilson mandated the, <laughs> the internal combustion engines and outlawed electric vehicles. I know that. Uh, yeah, uh, and the steam engine went out of favor as well uh at that point stanley uh, Steen, that was about the other third of the market share so thank you very much mary anderson for allowing us to drive in the rain uh in 1969 sir another uh another this day in history 1969 november 10th 1969 yes sir wow and uh, it has nothing to do with hippies and protests or anything else so uh i I don't know. I, I, uh, um, the New a York te a television show debuted in 1969 that had a dramatic effect on my life because my mother sat me in front of the TV to babysit. All me. in the family. No, Sesame Street. Oh, oh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It 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 debuted nationally in 1969 because all you all you losers out out and lived in places other than New York City finally watched it. 
Yes, sir. For those of us who grew up in New York, we saw the original Sesame Street, which I think started a, in 66. Yes, there was a, uh, a, a affiliate version of that. But yes, it was a Nash. It nationally uh, debuted on the, right. on the uh, you know, we don't we don't New Yorkers don't count stuff like that. Come on, man. So anyway, uh, thank you to Sesame Street for teaching me all the Come stuff I know. Come and play. Everything's A-OK. Go ahead. Sorry. Do kids still watch Sesame Street? I don't think I, so. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they've gotten woke a little bit, though. They're starting to introduce some of that stuff. So, Well, you know. The They'll thing, probably ban it in Florida now that there's. Think kind of went downhill. <laughs> Truthfully, once they had once they had, once they they had had Big Bird Elmo. join them. Yeah. The whole thing kind of went downhill once they had yeah, Big Elmo Bird. Elmo kind of lost it for me. He's kind of a. Anyway, uh, in this one, you might get with a little hint. Yes. You might get. In 1984, on this day, there was a miracle that took place in Miami. Uh, oh, the Doug Flutie thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston College beat Miami on the last play with that ridiculous throw by Doug Flutie uh, to, uh, to uh, his favorite receiver. is another Irishman. I can't remember his name. Yeah. yeah, great game. I actually saw – I watched that game on TV. Frank Reich threw six touchdown passes. In the second half of the game, completely. Oh, oh, this is the Bills probable comeback. This is Frank Reich and the University of Maryland's uh, comeback against Miami, which, of course, was not the first time Frank Reich had a had a miracle. His second one took place in 1993 versus the Houston Oilers. All right. And the Bills came back from a 35 to right. 3 deficit in the playoffs to win the playoff game against Houston 41 to 38 to go on to lose. I was going to say which therefore which Super Bowl did this give them the opportunity Bowls. to lose? <laughs> this was Dallas won, I believe. Dallas won. So Frank Reich. All right, um where do we start? Let's do uh let's do the overall. Okay. And then let's get granular. Okay. Um, obviously, where where are we right now? We are exact, almost exactly where we were uh, in the last election, where there are votes being counted days and days and days after the election. I think we're at around seventy or so percent in Nevada, and uh, roughly the same in Arizona, and obviously some of the California races um, are going to be sorted out. It looks like we're sitting at about. 209 for Republicans right now in the House uh, and 48, 47 in the Senate. Um, it looks like, as of right now, Cortez Masto, is that how you say it? Yeah. She's going to probably win. She, she, um, well, if she hasn't won already, uh, she's pulling like 60 and 65% in these dumps and she's gaining ground. Every single time, and it doesn't look good for Laxalt at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm told on a, uh, with some inside information in Arizona that um, the outstanding ballots uh, are going are, aren't going to go in that same direction because they were all the ballots that were dropped off on election day that will be counted, um, and they're coming in, you know, a lot a lot tighter percentages. So. Carrie Lake could still overcome 
the secretary of state who is presiding over the vote in 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 arizona who wants to be governor and um it's possible it's very very uh, unlikely but possible that um the uh, uh the senate race could flip as well but as it stands right now my guess is, is georgia isn't going to matter it might not matter okay so uh so takeaways where what happened on tuesday well i mean it's pretty easy right um the the voters decided that they um voters in 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 all the relevant races a majority of voters in all the relevant races well, a couple uh with a couple of exceptions decided that tribalism was more important than issues right um uh, that that you know they they their their dislike of of Donald Trump and Trump adjacent candidates um, uh, pretty much overwhelmed all other considerations, right? Um, and that um, you know so that was one. Two was um, you know Democrats turned out better than Republicans. I mean I could make it more complicated than that, but I, it's about as simple as it gets. And then uh, the third thing is abortion was a more powerful issue than um, than we had anticipated, right? Um, which you know the Republicans had never come up with a good answer on abortion during the cycle. Um, so, you know, the Democrats pretty much ran free with it and it showed up at ga on game day. But it's the tribalism that concerns me, right? If, if, um, and I'm thinking specifically about Pennsylvania now, but it's applicable to every place, right? It's not, there are very few stars on the Democratic side that you're like, wow, that person's a great senator. They could definitely stand up in the, in the, in the tide, right? Um, yeah. You know, you did a bunch of perfectly functioning, um, you know, I don't want to say bureaucrats, but perfectly functioning Senate bureaucrats, right? Maggie Hassan, Cortez Masto, Mark Kelly, you know, unremarkable senators um, who won in an environment they shouldn't have won in, but the voters, mostly Democratic voters, decided, hey, the, the tribe is more important than any other consideration. If I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, right? Um, if you're not going to vote against your tribe in this cycle, you're never going to vote against your tribe. It, 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 the results of this election should, you know, I'm I, I'm not a big believer. You know, I'm not a big believer in hey, election. You know, the, this is the most important election ever. Blah 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 yeah. blah. This is just yeah. an election. But the one takeaway I have from this is, is that there is some incredibly hard not of human beings, um, citizens in this country that are never not going to vote um, for their tribe. And that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. And, and if you look overall, um, red states got generally redder. Yeah. Blue states got generally bluer, right? Um, and that points, uh, that goes to your point. Where it's like party uberalis, right? Um, yeah. And now, how does that? So, so Mike, a couple of I agree I, I, with that. I mean, well, that's I agree what, with that. Well, let me just you know that's why Florida was so important, right? And that's why I think DeSantis is now the presumptive front runner for the Republican nomination. What happened in Florida just totally scrambled that egg, right? Um, you know, he won women, he won Hispanics, he won in Miami Dade. The guy won everywhere and among all cohorts, um, which tells you that it's still possible. Um, you know, and and he 
he has whatever the whatever the secret sauce is, he seems to know it, right? So, but that, well, that's yeah. that's why Florida was exceptional. Not so much because of the size; it was the scope, it was the scale of it, it was the 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 breadth of it. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, we were talking like you know, what a what a message if he gets double digits. He got almost twenty percent more. Yeah, he, he had double digits, double 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 digits. Yeah. Uh, every statewide office is now Republican. Um, even all the local races. I mean, in the in the primary, he had a phenomenal. We mentioned this a phenomenal run of candidates he endorsed for school board. Um, he's riding on a lot of goodwill. Uh, in part, I think because people in Florida feel like they bypassed a lot of the pain uh, of the last few years. Yeah, right? and it's, uh, and it's um, true they did, and they rewarded him for that, and and. You know, uh, you know the left can't stand him, obviously, but uh, it's going to be hard to to say he's some extreme radical, crazy person with the kind of vote you got. And here's another point too: Florida runs elections well. Yeah. They get their votes counted. They have early voting. They do all the same stuff. They just do it well, and they the, the results are done. The way that they have been all my life, except for the last five or 10 years. Yeah. I mean, they're all counted. They're all in. All the winners are declared on election night. Well, I mean, you know, and, 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 oh, by the way, you have to show your ID. I mean, God, Florida had that near death experience in 2020, in 2000. And, and it really, I think you know, they, they fixed it, right? Democrats and Republicans both fixed it. Now they're the best in the country. I don't understand any of this, right? I don't understand why it takes three or four days to count votes. It really, it's it, it's beyond comprehension to me. Um, but you know what? No one's ever going to ask that question until you wind up with governors of um, alternative parties. Although I will point out in Arizona, Doug Ducey runs this thing, but he doesn't really run it, I guess, right? In Nevada, yeah, we're, I, you know, in Nevada, I, we're going to have a Republican governor, so maybe it's going to get fixed, but. I, I'm, right. I think that's really what has to happen, right, is you have to because in Pennsylvania, the legislature gave uh, Governor Wolf bills to make the process better and he vetoed them. That's right. Um, right. That's right. Uh, and, you know, and, and as long as that's the case, now you have Shapiro, you're not going to do anything different because why why change when you're getting the results you want or need or or, or are hoping for? And I'm not saying. um I'm not getting into this whole it's fixed and all that stuff. It's 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 just bad, and it does allow for a lot of people to ask questions. Well, right? let's put it this way: your your faith in anything that appears less than competent, um, you know, it, it, it has to be minimized. You know, you, somebody shows up on time and on target every time. Somebody shows up, you know, five days late and with a half answer. You know, it's just one is to be preferred to the other, and that's just the way the world is. That's right. It 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 is what it is. This, so the tribalism concerns me. Uh, you know, and I I wrote in this column right that the guy who had the worst night was was President Trump, right? So that's the other. That's the other. That's the other big takeaway I have: the tribalism and Trump thing. Yeah, and they're 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 kind of a little bit one and the same. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. So so my takeaways were. I agree with almost all of that, if not all of it. And um, my other takeaway was was that the electorate didn't really have. Uh, and again, 
we kept saying they finally found their stride. We just misjudged what some of the issues that were really ultimately top of mind, right? Um, well, the voters didn't, the, the voters basically said to the Democrats, stop the spending and to the Republicans, you haven't given me a reason to vote for you yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with the second part of that. I don't agree with the first part of it. I think the dem that this was very much a status quo election. You know, if you if you just if you strip the labels off, it's a status quo election, right? We had a close house and a close second, a close Senate, and we had Joe Biden as president. Um, we're going to have a close house and a close Senate, and Joe Biden as president. So I, I, you know, what the voters seem to be telling me is, you guys just keep doing what you're doing, and you know, I. Well, that worries me because I must be missing something, and maybe I'm also guilty of being in a Twitter bubble. Yeah, I, I, right. I, I, I mean, because I just I was floored. I was I, I'd never imagined a status quo election. I mean, like you know, you it, you, you never could have guessed it. Me neither. But if you look at it, that's what we seem to have had, and and that's I think mostly because um, the Republicans made. Only limited efforts. I, I, I want to say this the right way, but but it was not at all clear to voters how what President Biden has been doing has fed inflation. How about if I say it that way, right? You know, there's this inflation out here, and it's somebody's fault. And the Republicans were kind of counting on the general context to drive people away from the incumbent party, but that didn't really happen. So, you know, and of course. You know, we have the now historical problem, the now the now six year old problem of the Republicans being unable to articulate their own agenda. You know, somebody pointed out to me the other day, hey, you know, crime is a legitimate answer, but if you look at what the Republicans are talking about on the stump, they're not giving any answers to crime, right? They're not except for, hey, we're not gonna have cashless bail. Okay, we're not gonna have cashless bail, great. But you know, that's not the same as mandatory minimums. And we're going to lock up and three strikes and you're out, right? All the stuff that that, that highlighted our, the struggle against crime in the 90s. So, you know, I'm – I blame the Republicans partly for not making things clear and I blame the voters for not themselves being aware of the situation. And, you know, I, you think about – boy, I hate to say it this way because it sounds like sour grapes, but it, it just is the way it is. Um you know the voters didn't learn this time. They're going to learn next time, right? You know this stuff's going to keep. It, none of this stuff that we're talking about—inflation or energy or or the international stuff—none of this stuff's going to get any better in the next two years, right? The, the bio, yeah. you know, team. no, I, you know. So it's you know I had a day and a half now going on two days to really sort of digest all of this, and I mean a larger majority in the House probably is okay. You know, is good. Uh, for the Republicans, but obviously it would be good if the Senate was at least plus one so that, you know, McConnell or whoever else ends up running the, the show there can rein in some of these crazy nominees and, well, and, and judges and things. But um, I mean, which, which, which this is, a, this is a serious question, Tom, which Senate candidate said that? Nobody. Nobody said that. No, none right. of our guys ever said, "Hey, look, right. you got to have a Republican um, Senate 
yeah. to put a leash on these crazies. Well, nobody right. said that. I'm right. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking back on the campaign. You're like, what arguments did we make for a Republican majority? And the answer is, huh? Right. Not, not a lot. Um, sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to interrupt. I, it, no, it's it's along the lines of what I was gonna say. Uh, that would be tactically that would be better, right? For the in my view, for the country, that would be better. But at the same time, the 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 check on the Biden administration is at least one chamber. Right. Because they can't do these crazy reconciliations anymore and things like that. But you're right. The conversation will continue until the next national election. Yeah. Almost the exact same conversation. So both sides will have something that they can point to to say, you know what? We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing that. But both sides also have the opportunity to make some significant changes. Uh, to try to go back and grab some of that, you know, that middle, because like you said, it's become tribal, but who are these independents? Well, who are, I mean, they, they claim to be independents, but you know, so yeah, you know, that's what's, the... The, what's the thing that's missing in, in my view. And I'll just, I'll just point to a, a, a listener uh, to our, our wonderful podcast who said, I've come to the conclusion that, the reason we have Biden is because people just don't like Trump. Yep. And I have to come to terms with that in essence. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay to move on. Yep. Right. Cause I want to win. Well, um, and that's an interesting, you know, dynamic. But on the other hand, I've heard people say, if you guys start trashing Donald Trump, say goodbye, because all these folks are going to walk away uh, from from the party because the only reason they're there is because of him. So this conversation has to take place on the GOP side, and it'll likely take place in the primary, right? Yeah, I think so. the 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 problem is, is that you know the 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 boss is like. Here's the thing, I can't imagine a world in which he just walks away. There it will, it will not happen. Where he, well, what uh, what I mean what I mean is where he accepts defeat in a primary. Of course. Right, so there's only two ways this thing ends. You know, you know, and this is this is maybe true of everybody. You know, he gets bought off. Right, somebody gives him a hundred million bucks to go away and stop talking. Um, possible, but not likely, and I'm not sure exactly how that gets enforced. The other option is he dies. There's no third option, right? As long as he's alive, he's going to be a third party candidate, and you know, would would probably preclude the Republicans from winning the presidency as a third-party candidate. Or alternatively, he wins the primary, which precludes the Republicans from winning um, right, the presidency yeah. anyway in 2024. So, we're, so kinda... we're, we're back to where we were in 16 and 20, and 2024 would be there are two candidates where the only one that can win is, is if they're running against the other guy. That's right. Right. Joe Biden is now all hot to trot about running again. And why wouldn't he? He thinks he won on Tuesday. Right. Well, so and he also thinks Trump's going to run and win the primary. So, you know, this is where we could end up uh, potentially. Well, I think, you know, this is a terrible thing to say, but it's the truth. The voters have put themselves in this situation. They're going to have to get themselves out. That's right. You know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure out some way to some way to transmit to everybody that you know what a a a Biden Trump rematch is unacceptable. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. And the Democrats are going to have to send that message to their leaders and the Republicans are going to have to send that message to their leaders. Um, Because the only way the Democrats stop running against Trump is if the Republican voters decide that they're moving on from Trump. That's my assessment. I, yeah. I could be wrong. No, that's right. Uh, that's totally right. You know, it, it when they have had enough, the Republicans themselves say, you know what, I love Trumpism, but Trump is becoming a liability. Now well, I think you saw some of that in Pennsylvania, right? Where, hey, you know what, picking a guy, picking a picking a Muslim dude from New Jersey to be the nominee for um our Senate and our Senate guy in, in Pennsylvania is just too far. It's just too far. I mean, think about it. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania picked John Fetterman, who by any measure is clearly not capable, right? Um, and who's not, probably not going to be the senator for too much, too long, right? And I think everybody knew that, but they're just like, you know what? If, if my choice is Oz or Fetterman, I'll pick Fetterman. I think everybody should really think hard about that race when you're thinking about Trump and the Republicans and who people are going to vote for and what they're not going to vote for. Yeah, it, uh, it should be very interesting here um, it, with that with that whole dynamic in play. And this conversation is already taking place. Obviously, the folks who want Trump's head are playing it up. Um, President Trump says he's making some big announcement on the 15th. We'll see what that is. We'll see if he head fakes. Maybe he waits until after Georgia uh, this time. Um, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he can't help himself. No, oh, he's going to make the announcement. He has to insert himself into the conversation. I was going to say he's going to make the announcement. Just bet, bet your last so, dollar on that. All right. So uh, let's break it down a little bit. Um, so House looks like it's going to go what plus five, seven, something like that. Is that is that where we think it's going to head? It's like two twenty four to twenty two twenty four seems to be the most number, most likely number, right? So. Yeah, be that that'd give you a margin of uh, what six 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 seven guys, right? Two twenty four, two eleven. Yeah. Keep so keep, you've got keeping in mind that everybody's always coming and going, so you never really have four thirty five. Right. Um, I do think that no matter who becomes speaker, and it's looking like McCarthy might end up getting it. Um, they're gonna theoretically do some of the things we said that must be done, which is get rid of this proxy voting, uh, have the committees actually do their job for a change, at least in theory um and a tighter margin quite frankly means that mccarthy's uh worse instincts might uh be checked and tempered a little bit if he does become speaker which i think is a plus um especially when he listens to uh frank luntz <laughs> um well i mean you gotta you gotta you gotta pay attention when your roomie talks yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you guys... Hey, are you sleeping? Are you still awake? Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, come on. Um, so uh, it looks like Scalise is happy to be majority leader. I think it's a good job. Uh, I know a couple people who've had it, and uh, they seem to pr do pretty well with it. Um, but you never know what's going to happen, right? These leadership elections, we talked about this briefly, are happening too soon, in my opinion, uh, and that is advantage incumbency. Um, there is talk swirling that there will be a faction who is not interested in in McCarthy. How big that is and whether or not he's able to overcome that is a question to be seen. And then, of course, on the Democratic side, you have the same conversation taking place, um, except everyone's hurry, hurry up and waiting, hurrying up and waiting for Nancy uh, to make some decisions about her life. So should be interesting. I'm glad that the Republicans took the House. I'm a House guy. 
but man, now is the time for people like us to press for uh, a bold agenda, uh, a Republican agenda, but also regular order, right? Like that to me is the sign of the day. And of course, we, you and I will probably make some public statements about jurisdiction. <laughs> I'll start in the um, House of Representatives. <laughs> I'll start. Um, you know the the energy jurisdiction. The House Republicans should settle on where they want energy jurisdiction to be, either in the res- resident with the Resources Committee, so it matches up in the Senate, Senate Energy and Natural Resources, of course, uh, or it should be at the House Energy and Commerce Committee and move move the Energy and, and Minerals um, subcommittee over to Energy and Commerce. I don't – my personal preference would be the Resources Committee because the Resources Committee has shown over the last 15 years they have a much clearer focus on energy than does House Energy and Commerce. But I'm not religious about it. If you want to move to House Energy and Commerce, that's good too. But take Pete Stauber with you because he's going to be the um, subcommittee chair over on energy and uh, minerals in the Resources Committee. And he's probably the best guy we got on energy and resources, uh, energy and mineral resources. So, my my preference is to move it over to resources. Um, yeah, it, it's been a long time coming, and this issue is now a big enough issue that the telecom, you know, factions and the healthcare lobbyists and all that other garbage, uh, you know, we don't need to mix energy in with all of that. That's it's right. just it's time. It's just. Well, I mean, the other thing about it is, is that are you listening? No, speaker, no, McCarthy, no. <laughs> but I'm having lunch with some of his guys, so I'm going to talk to him about it. The, um, the, uh, you know, that you can tell the difference, right? In House Resources, Pete's going to be the guy, and that's great because Pete knows more about mining than anybody, anybody we got. And um, in Energy and Commerce, it's probably going to be Dr. Burgess, which is great, but. I like I like Dr. Burgess from Texas, but I don't I don't think anybody um, would consider him a you know one of our top energy but guys. It's, it's but not there just he is. The, it's not just the who though. That's it's right. It's the structural problem with the house. Well, I, right? I don't. Here's what I don't understand, and this is this is you're going to get this. I'm not sure how many of our listeners are going to get it. I'm a little concerned that we let John Dingle decide how we're arranging our House Energy and Commerce Committee. Right, with the jurisdiction arrows, I and mean, that committee was created by that committee was was aggregated together by him over the years, and we have literally done nothing to like visit revisit it. Oh uh, no, that's not true. They did split off some of the banking. Yeah, they split there off. There was a big fight back, a big power struggle back over a couple of members fighting over commerce. I can't remember Bliley and someone. Mike else. Oxley. Yeah. So they said, okay, well, let's just give you some banking, and then we'll just call it a day. Yeah. Right. So so it's been done. Uh, but yeah, you know, energy's got to get out of commerce. Period. It, I, I don't it, agree with you. I don't. I don't agree with you on the don't care where. Uh, it's just got to. Well, get out I'm of happy to win some of the fight now and win the rest of it later. I, you know, I just want to. I'm just want to win some of it now. That's all. So that but, was of the course, energy. Of, of course, portion of the American energy. Well, it's not. I'm not quite done yet. <laughs> I'm not quite done yet. The 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 concerning part, the part that would need watching, is of course that the chairman of House Resources is going to be. Uh, Bruce Westerman from Arkansas, uh, the only forester in the United States Congress, as he will point out himself. Trillion um, trees, baby. Right. I really don't want to talk about a trillion trees anymore because it's a ridiculous thing. Um, so, but yeah, I guess and, with the good comes McCarthy, the bad. The, the other question is: Will McCarthy disband the Climate Crisis Committee and, and take 
Garrett Graves' platform away from him. Uh, I can't, that'll be a test as well. I can't so. imagine a world in which he does not. It would be it would be it would be the darkest sort of um, treachery <laughs> to not get rid of it. Uh, it, it All right, it, so it, let's move on to the Senate because we got a lot of topics here. Go ahead. Um, so the Senate, as it stands, like I said, it looks like the the Democrats probably have a pretty decent shot at, at holding on to the majority there, which is a disaster, in my view. Um, you tell me differently. I, I want to I want to be be proven wrong here, but I'm looking at the trend lines out west and i don't anytime anytime vote counting anytime vote counting goes on for more than two days republicans lose that's just that's a hard heart of politics right i cannot think of a race in which voting's gone on this long that the republicans have ever won there could be a um a couple of those california races from the last cycle because they've they figured out how i'm talking talking about statewide yeah i think that's ironclad so uh so Georgia runoff probably doesn't matter, although it would be nice uh, uh, to see that run differently than the last go round, and we'll see how that goes. A lot of that depends probably on Trump as well. But if Governor Kemp, who proved that you can win fairly significantly in Georgia as a Republican, uh, puts his operation in place, and you know Herschel is flanked with some you know surrogates, and he just stands there and looks pretty, they got a shot at it, right? You got these eighty thousand libertarian votes that are sort of now up, up for grabs. It depends on what it, it depends on whether it matters or not. You think the the Dem wins if it doesn't matter? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we'll see how that ends up playing out on December sixth. But what? Okay, what does this do for leadership races in the Senate? On the Republican side, nothing. It guarantees it guarantees Senator McConnell will be major uh, minority leader. Okay, what if by some miracle the Senate flips? Yeah, you know, you may have two or three guys vote like present or no or, you know, whatever. But I, I, I don't see any. I don't see any. There's no person who's likely to to unseat McConnell. That's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, he it's it's he's he's a little bit like Trump, right? He's going to go away when he wants to go away, and not yeah. before, and that's just that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the difference is is that he's more pleasant to deal with, not necessarily like <laughs> slightly you know, more, <laughs> yeah, more pleasant to deal with. But that's it. So, yeah, I, I just don't see it. Right? It's a little bit like it's it it's not precisely analogous to the House side. The problem, you know, there's lots of barking about um about uh, about. Uh, uh, Congressman McCarthy, but the reality of it is, there's no other answer. There's no, there's no, there's no broadly acceptable person who's going to pick up all 224, six, eight, whatever Republicans. Um, that's just not going to happen, right? So you 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 take the guy who's you know everybody says yeah you know whatever we need the dues sure that guy. I mean, you know, you, yeah. you we, we talked about this last week. Maybe we didn't on the anyway. I thought we talked about it last week on the show. It's a fraternity election. Yep, you know, and we did talk about that. Did we? Yeah, I mean, it's a fraternity election. You know, and the general vibe is like ten guys in every fraternity are like, yeah, I really love that guy, and the other thirty guys are like, yeah, he's fine, whatever, sure, I'll take him as long as I get some more booze. Exactly. You know, it's as long as as long as he opens up the kegs on Wednesdays, we're good. <laughs> uh. Anyway, I do I do think that uh, the um, whip race is shaping up pretty good for uh, for the 
Freedom Caucus types. Uh, Emmers looks like he's got yeah, a pretty yeah. wide coalition of support for that. We're getting into the weeds, folks, for some of our not DC Beltway listeners. Let me roll but... the let me roll the tape back for a second. Um, there are uh, five leadership spots worth having in the House um, leadership. Uh, number one is Speaker. Number two is uh, Majority Leader. That, of course, be Mr. Scalise. Number three is the Whip. Um, the Whip is responsible for making sure that um, the Republicans don't throw up on their shoes on actual votes on the floor. Um, there are three candidates for that job: Tom Emmer, uh, who most recently ran the National Republican Congressional Committee and did a okay job; uh, Drew Ferguson and Jim Banks. The Freedom Caucus, the the folks on the right want Jim Banks. Um, you know, it is it is um, not at all clear to me that any of those guys would be um, great. But the problem that both Tom and I have is that we've seen probably the best whip in the last fifty years. Um, so you measure everybody up against Tom Delay, and they're going to come up. As far as whip now, they're going to come up wanting, and that's. Sorry, I, I didn't, you probably didn't want to say I, that, so I wanted to say no, it. I appreciate that. It's uh, it is the truth, no doubt. Yeah. So you know, we are we all look at every whip contest now from like now through the lens of, well, this dude isn't Tom Delay, but I suppose he'll do. And that's where we are. All right. Um, let's talk. Let's talk Biden a little bit here. Sure. Shall we? Sure. Um, big press conference. Mumbled his way through once again. I missed all of it. <laughs> you didn't miss much, <laughs> other than you know. A, a, I just we didn't run all the clips. It's just it's it's getting old. But um, he's emboldened. He's he he basically said, yeah, I will make an announcement at some point uh, after several more vacations. Um, these uh, this the the tightness of the election is not good for people, in my view, the folks. Because not not a lot's going to change, but I don't know that it's a terrible thing uh, overall uh, that the Democrats think that they have a mandate here for their agenda because that sets up the national election pretty nicely, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I keep thinking about this tribalism thing. If you're if you're not going to vote against the if you're not going to vote against your side now, when are you going to vote against your side? I I have no idea what sort of cataclysmic event it's going to take to unmoor people, um, especially from the Democratic Party, although on our side, from Trump, right? Although I think I, you can see in the survey stuff, people are wandering away from Trump. So I wonder about, you know, I wonder about what the next two years are going to be got, like. I mean, if I'm a- got to remember, too, though, that we had a, didn't have a great map this cycle. Right. The map's going to be a lot better in the next cycle. That's one. Um, two, theoretically, we'll be able to clean up some of these. You know, maybe Arizona will, will they'll take another run at cleaning up this this election stuff. But you're right. I mean, the the hardness of the blue states and the hardness of the red states um, is troubling. Yeah, man. It, 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 you know, it suggests, well, whatever it, it is, it is what it is. Voters are going to do what they're going to do. All I know for sure is you're going to keep voting for a guy. You're going to keep voting for Biden. You're going to keep getting Biden. And that's just the way the world is. So yeah. enjoy. I'm sorry. The rest of us are on this boat with you, but 
one one thing that i've pledged to do this this next couple years is just drink a hell of a lot more well no i gotta cut down on that a little but because but i need to not get sucked into the you know to the tribalism i need to look at this a little bit more objectively i i i was shocked that you know their strategy seemed to be adequate for them right let's just pound away on this democracy garbage and the abortion thing was was resonated a lot more than i thought it would but then i on that issue i do think that it is uh due to the republicans basically like walking off the field on that issue right they they have a really strong argument to make that you know we don't support where we at least shouldn't be you know we we could at least be as 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 like europe is on these issues and somewhat rational right so um yeah i mean i i missed it i just flat out missed this and it bothers me because I'm usually not this. <laughs> I've usually been doing pretty well in these uh, in these things, right? So, uh, I guess I'm I'm doing too much Twitter myself. So all of us are. All right. Anything else? Any wrap up? Best and finals. Uh, yeah. You know, we're gonna not we're not gonna know officially, but uh, I just I don't see by this time next week. I don't see it. I, I don't see uh, a, a change here. The Republicans will take the House. And uh, Democrats are going to hold the Democrats, Democrats are going to hold in the Senate. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I have three things to note real quick. Um, first off, uh, you know, Democrats can hold the Senate. It may be important whether it's 51 or 52 um, because, you know, both John Tester and Joe Manchin are up next year. So, you know, they're there. There's. Um, couple of moderates. They'll right. be able to trade off votes, right? I'll vote against this one. You they vote may, against that but one. They, yeah, they, no. they may, but they're also going to be, and I think Kirsten Cinema's up as well. They, they, they may, but the um, no, she's not. Yes, she is. No, she's not. Um, there, it, 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 it's entirely possible you're going to have more Democrats in the Senate decide they don't want to play along with some of this stuff. But we'll see. Uh, that's thing one. Thing two is. The House national vote, the Republicans won the national vote in the House, last I checked, which was yesterday. They they were winning it by six and a half points. Um, for those of you paying attention, six and a half points is about what they won the House vote in 2010 when they picked up uh, 63 seats, right? They actually won, won the House vote, the, the national House vote by 6.6%. Um, so, you know, 12 years ago, we won the House we won the House vote by the, basically the same margin. We picked up 60 seats. This time we're going to pick up whatever the hell we're going to pick up, down 20. Um, I can think of a lot of different ways to to um, think about those numbers, but I think what they're telling us is, is that gerrymandering used to be more effective, that everybody now has um, computer programs that can that can – cut voters finally. So gerrymandering has become less important over time. All right. There's, I don't think there's any other way to look at that statistic. I'll, I'll take a shot at looking at it another way. Sure. Though. The numbers, uh, you know, spend more time on them, but the Republicans did pick up seats in the last election yeah. because of gerrymandering. So they picked off a lot of that low hanging fruit the last cycle. Yeah. Which is why they didn't get as many seats this go round. That, um, that, yeah, that let me let me put numbers on that for you too. That's totally right. Um, 
you know, there's about 75 swing seats in the house. Um, you know, however you feel like defining it, you know, where there's a member sitting in a seat won by the, you know, the opposing president or whatever. Um, about 75. Um, and probably another five or six or seven that are like marginal. Um, Republicans are already sitting in 40 of those. Right. So the truth of the matter is when, when everybody said, when everybody, when people would say this cycle, hey, the Republicans are going to win 75 seats, you know, go plus 75 or plus 70 or plus 60. I was like, dude, as a realistic matter, plus 25 is probably your ceiling just because you've already won all, you know, already sitting in all the close seats. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the Democrats did something in their gerrymandering last time around, right, where they, they spread out um, Democrats in hopes of. Um, keeping them right where they gave them smaller margins, um, but winding up with more Democrats in each state. That was kind of a mixed bag, right? A bit of an ass in New York, but in Virginia, it probably saved Abigail Spanberger, who's a personal person endorsed by the chamber. Person, they got one personal project of mine. She's a, she's a <laughs> terrible person. Um, anyway, the other set of numbers, and this has something to do with abortion, but it's kind of bigger than that. It's bigger than that, but it's the most important set of numbers that I can see it coming out of this election. Um, <clears throat> among married men, the Republicans won by 20 points net, right? Among married women, the Republicans won by 14 points net. Among unmarried men, this is a difference. This is a break from from you know the, the married people always break for Republicans, not by twenty and fourteen, but eh. um, unmarried men usually um, Democrats. This election cycle, they went plus seven for the Republicans. Unmarried women, it's been a problem for a number of years, but this is the biggest number I've ever seen. Uh, broke for the Democrats by plus thirty seven, plus thirty seven. So yeah, and the younger the younger. Votes, uh, they, the Utes voted pretty overwhelmingly. They always Democrats. do. They always so, do. Every, everybody votes for the communists until they actually have to start paying taxes. Right. Uh, but the unmarried women thing is a problem, right? For two reasons. First off, um, clearly, what's going on is there's some there's a there's a fairly significant cohort of women, especially who now view the government as their partner. Um, I can I can think of a different way to say that, but I can't think of a nicer way to say that. Um, the other thing, other? I can't. The other thing it means is, is that and this is something I don't want to think too hard about because I'm afraid of it. Um, if you're a Democrat and you read that stuff, and I guarantee you, Democrats are reading the numbers same as me, right? Um, you have a vested interest in not being in favor of marriage. That's right. Married people now are. Openly, I don't think that's new, though. I think that's been it's around. Not, it's not, yeah, but the the numbers here are bigger, especially the unmarried woman number. Like we were, Republicans were losing unmarried women by fifteen points routinely. Thirty seven is a huge jump. Now I know some of that's abortion. I'm comfortable with that. Um, that number will go down slightly as a result of that, but it is. It's a it's a concerning. It, it points to and and it 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 points to again the Trump the challenge with Trump because they'll never I mean they're hardened on that guy but they might be able to look at somebody else maybe down the road maybe so. like like I said what worries me about it is Democrats seem to now have an institutional um, interest in preventing precluding slowing down however you want to think about it um, people from forming families yes which, and the second thing they have an institution an incentive to to do is to continue to make elections last longer than on election day. Well, 
you know, and I'm just, you know. I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, like I, like I said, stuff they're talking about is, you know, making that confusion even more confusing, not, not the other way around. So, yeah. Anyway, that's it for me. Those are, those are the two I, most interesting numbers coming out of this thing for me. I got to, I want to do a, sh- I want to talk just very, I want to touch very briefly on gerrymandering because, and, and this, this gets to my, my close uh, and my shout out. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. It appears that DeSantis did it the right way and and New York did it the wrong way. New York overplayed their hand. And the result is, and this is in part, I think, due to the strong performance, although he didn't get over the finish line of Zeldin, New York flipped a few seats, which could be, be the difference maker in getting the majority. So even though he did not win, and it's, I feel... Pair of I'm I'm sad for the people of New York that they would do this to themselves. He did I think he did a good job of getting folks down ballot uh, to cross over the finish line. So yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. On the other hand, on the other hand, you you get what you you get what you vote for, ladies and gentlemen. You get. Oh, the other stat is one and a half million. New um, I think New York residents changed their residency to florida no yeah it was was, in the last cycle yeah it's a million it's a million basically florida lost a million new york florida new york lost a million florida picked up a million that's probably the difference you know and it it it, would it it suggests to me that that new york has has hit where california was about 10 years ago where everybody who can flee is fleeing and those are all your Republican voters, right? Right. Yeah. And and um, you know, so um, when next week we're going to break down the states, state legislatures, and governorships, and sort of talk about what that means because I think there's some implications for both environment, energy, election reform, and, and all that good stuff. And again, we'll it'll 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 sort of illuminate this hardening of the blue and red states. Or alternatively, might we might just break down next week? That's just it. <laughs> it's very possible that we will break down at any point at any time agree 100 there we go all right so look I, the last point is is that no it was not a red wave but if you look and we're going to dissect this i think a little bit too hopefully going forward my i'm i'm told anecdotally anyway because i we had a you know big call with all the leaders and conservative leaders across the country Republicans did very well in 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 local races, in like councilly type races and school boards and things of that nature, which tells me that 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 whole idea of as you mentioned, as soon as you mess with the kids, it's game over. Republicans are now starting to understand the importance of of being engaged at that level, which I think is only good for the future of the Republican Party. And good for kids and schools and city councils and all that good stuff. Um, and I still, what, what have you seen the numbers on the mayor race in in uh, Los Angeles? No, actually, I didn't look at that. Yeah, we'll have to look at those for next. I heard it was too close to call. We'll see how that that shakes out. I, yeah, you, you know, okay. I know, I know we're trying to get out of here. Let me let me throw one other thing at you that that to to your point. Um, Cycle had a bunch of a bunch of um, new folks and new faces for the Republicans running, right? Hispanic females, Asian American dudes, um, guys like that, right? Um, 
you know, African American folks. All those guys are, all those people are hanging around. You know, they're all. They're, I mean, it, it's 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 tough to look at a cycle like this and think, hey, this is great. But the reality of it is, is you bring new people in. You know, you keep chip chip chipping away at the at the um at the core of the Democratic coalition or what used to be the core of the Democratic coalition before it began. You know, before it became um, unmarried women and everybody else. Um, and it's it's. It was a good cycle. A lot of new, a lot of new talent flooded in, and they're not going anywhere, right? They'll still be here. They're going to fill administrations. They're going to, they're going to win eventually. They're going to be governors. They're going to be senators. Yeah, um, John James finally won. He's coming. Yeah, it's guys like Michigan. that, right? You know, they just. Yeah. You know, John, what's his third? Is his third try? His third, third try. Run. Yeah, yeah, he got an open seat though. He he was able to sneak well, into the yeah, house. Yeah, so. you know it. But but that's the that you know that's the twenty years from now we might look back on this and go yeah, that that was an important election not because anybody won but because everybody ran. So because of the reset, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyways, crow on us. We we missed it too, uh, but. You know, there's some there's some silver linings to all of this, uh, in subtle nuances and and things like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it is like you said, we're it's like Groundhog Day. We're we're still we're in no different position in the run up to the the next presidential election than we were uh, at the last one. Yeah, man. So. Status status quo election. The only bad. I want to close. I want to only- close with a clip from a winner um, in Tuesday's election. It was called early. Uh, not because of who he is, but well, in part because of who he is, but also what he said. And, and this is a good reminder for us. The source of our greatness is not our politics. The source of our greatness is not our elections. The source of our greatness is not our government. The source of our greatness is not our military power, though we need it, and it's not our wealth, though we celebrate it. The source of our greatness is our people, a special and unique people, unlike people anywhere else on the earth. Because here, being an American is not a race, it's not an ethnicity, it's not where your parents are born. Being an American is the defining principle of our nation, that all men are created equal. All men and all women are created equal with rights that come from God, not from your leaders, not from your government, and not from your laws. And our job, our job is to protect those rights possible not to love that guy right great line great speech it's just he's, he's just he's he's the guy's a national treasure he's just, just a reminder just folks it ain't about the folks you 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 vote for it's about you yeah and that that's a wrap for the election edition of the unregulated podcast <laughs> namaste <laughs> see you later mikey hey.